Hello, and welcome back to Close Reads here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I am David Kern, and I am joined by everyone. <laughs> I'm joined by Angelina Sanford and Heidi White and Tim McIntosh. We are all here together to do a, well, a year end, year beginning, summarizing, previewing, you know, that kind of show. So Angelina, Heidi, Tim, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Great. Doing hey, well. good. Tim, do you also want to say something? <laughs> I, I just didn't want it to make it a traffic jam of greetings. <laughs> I'm doing wonderfully. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to say, we'll see how this goes. You know, you get, uh, Graham was going to be here, as I said, but as I said before we hit before we hit record, but he couldn't make it. So that makes it a little bit easier because you guys know how much Graham likes to hug Mike. But um, <laughs> but I uh, I figured we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to, it'll test my, my real uh, ability to actually manage people, right? Um, Tim, are you back in Seattle or are you still in Georgia? I'm back in Seattle. And David I got was back. just saying, we, we're living in pretend Seattle right now here in North Carolina with the yeah. weather. Yeah. It was, Atlanta was like that when I was home. I was so ready for some sunshine and it was just, it rained the whole time. So, so I got my money back. You brought it with you. So we have Yeah, yeah, I probably, I probably did. <laughs> but you, well, you didn't take it back. <laughs> I left it where I hauled it. So um, speaking of sunshine, uh, Angelina, you have a thing going on in your life. Do you want, are we allowed to talk about this on the air? Because oh. I haven't brought it up. I've known, I mean, this is, some, I knew, I knew about it last time we recorded, but, but I didn't, I didn't, you hadn't made a public announcement. So since you've put it on Facebook, I assume we can talk about it. No, now. actually our conversation that morning was really funny. Cause I said, should I say something on the air? And then he was like, when will it air? Will we have told everyone by this? I was like kind of touch and go because some of his family <laughs> listens to this show and we were kind of not wanting to bring the news on the, on the podcast. Surprise. <laughs> So, the, yeah, so, yeah. so, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, so my news is that over the holiday, um, I got engaged to be married. <laughs> Yay. Congratulations. Like, he really is Lord Peter, and I'm not going to just spend this entire hour gushing about how I found my Lord Peter, but I definitely found my Lord. I mean, yesterday we went shopping for rare books. Um, so, you know, yes, we are Harriet Vane and Lord Peter. So <laughs> I'm getting married to uh, Thomas Banks and... Um, if our readers got the uh, our readers, if our listeners got the la latest issue of the Forma Journal, his poetry was mm -hmm. was in there. And uh, when yeah. we made the Facebook announcement, a lot of I saw that people instantly made the connection. To, he was the poet guy. He was the guy with the poems, <laughs> <laughs> and, and lots of comments about, well, who else would he be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations to you and Thomas. Sometime we'll have to make Thomas do a. Uh, uh, can we call him Tom? Tommy? Tommy boy? What do we call him? Oh, oh God, no. Do not, not call him Tommy you Boy. you call Lord Peter <laughs> yes. Think about this. What? Yeah, you well, may yeah. call him Mr. Banks. Mr. Banks, I got it. Okay. So, Did um, he wear a, like a plaid flannel suit out rare book No, shopping. he wears an ascot, Tim. How... He wears an ascot. <laughs> oh. No, actually, he describes his sense of style as grumpy bookstore owner. Mm. Mm. So he's a poet. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Um, well... I, you did post the pictures and he was wearing an excellent sweater. Graham and I both commented on it. So that, you know, that, that's a, that's a good positive, you know, positive impression for us. Oh, he's to make very dashing. He's really <laughs> lovely. So congratulations to you. Um, that's great news. And we are very happy for you and I wish you guys the best. Did you, have you set a date? Well, it <laughs> that you can share publicly on a podcast that goes out to thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
Um, so the date is as soon as humanly possible because he had moved cross country. So we're trying to coordinate a ton of logistics that made me want to just break down and cry. Mm. And I have suggested eloping in the middle of the night many times. <laughs> is he is he good at logistics? I mean, is that like no? Uh, what part of he's a poet was um. <laughs> Hey, poets have to that's be good. Great, that's a great answer. Poets are good at organizing <laughs> things. He's a poet. Wasn't clear. Poets yeah, right. Like the man things. can think in a sonnet. Like he thinks in a sonnet is the most extraordinary thing. He will stop me when I'm talking, and he'll say, "Oh, that was that was perfect blank verse. We should write that down." <laughs> <laughs> but the coordinated cross country move. No, we are both brought to our knees on this. Um, so you know, <laughs> well, selling all his worldly goods, burning them in one last hurrah. These are things we have considered. <laughs> Well, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we are uh, we are here to to talk about um, the year moving forward, the year behind us. It's now 2019. We are recording on Friday, January 4th, 2019. So I wanted to get everybody on to discuss some of the things that we read, some of our favorite books that we read. We'll talk a little bit about the books that we read here on the show, the ones that... Well, I'll ask a question about that in a minute, but we've obviously spent, you know, the show talking about those books. But and then we're also going to talk about some of the books that that um that that all of us read kind of that you guys don't know about um because we read other things other than that are on the show, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> and then also we're going to I want to hear from each of you guys about your approaches to uh, reading in 2019, what some of your plans are, other than obviously like how to move across the country and eloping for dummies. Uh, but <laughs> do they actually have that? I, I would buy that. I probably, I'm I don't know. I'm popping over to Amazon right now. <laughs> I think eloping for dummies is just Romeo and Juliet. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, that doesn't end well. <laughs> this will end badly. <laughs> Um, they just did it wrong. It's like a cautionary tale. Yeah, true. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, so right, let's I'll talk be sure to text you and tell you I'm faking my death, just to be oh, clear. Perfect. All right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Don't screw that up. So we posted on um, on the Close Reads Instagram page. We posted each of our five favorite books of the year, and I'm gonna kind of quickly go through those. So, wait before you do, since Graham is not here, I'm gonna totally throw him under the bus and say okay. he misspelled two of mine, and you know I got some pushback on that. That was not me. I double checked my text message. I do know how to spell Dorothy Sayers. That's <laughs> true. That's true. He did misspell that. Now that I'm looking on that, looking at that, yeah, we gotta throw him under the bus, Graham. You're not even here to defend yourself, but in my heart, fair, I said, well, you know, that was words and his thing is pictures. So to be fair, I did read all of them to double check and I missed it completely. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm an actual editor, um, <laughs> but, uh, let's, let's go through some of these. So Angelina, since you mentioned that I'll, I'll talk, I'll ask you about these first. You mentioned that your five favorite books of the year, um, and this probably has changed since you sent this, uh, were, um, walking on water by Madeline Lengel. The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. I, Coelho. I don't actually know how to say his last name. I looked it up, but I couldn't no, figure I don't out. Either. Yeah, C O E L H O. Some of you have probably seen that book before at bookstores and so forth. The Trojan Women by Euripides. Here too. Are Women Human by Dorothy Sayers, which is quite the title, and I'm glad a woman wrote it. And the Celestial Celestial Omnibus, which is a story, I believe, by Forrester. Right. Yes. So Angelina, you have five, what seem like pretty different books here. Is that, is your list sort of curated by design to not have five books that are very similar? Or is that just sort of how it worked out when you were looking back and saying, these are the five books that stayed with me? Huh. It's funny because I, I do think they're connected. 
Okay, great, perfect. Uh, like I said, first impression. You know, I don't, I don't know all these books terribly well. So, uh, just to explain a little bit about how I read, I think I've mentioned this before, but some people might be surprised to find out that I actually primarily read nonfiction. Actually, the first time that Thomas saw my very substantial library, he was surprised that it was mostly nonfiction. Um, so, I, I'm, gosh, I'm a researcher at heart. I just, I, I mean, I'm looking at this stack of books on my desk right now, and like, just you know, um, a book on uh, medieval science. <laughs> A book on a book on tracing all the classical uh, influences on medieval literature. Like that's that's my curl up with a cup of tea and a blanket kind of reading. I, I can't get enough of that stuff. So primarily, those are both I, books that are on my dad's desk right now. Oh, like those exact topics. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, we're gonna have to have some chats. He and I. Um, <laughs> so. So primarily I read nonfiction. I read very, very little fiction. And if I do, it's going to be stuff that has been recommended to me by someone very trustworthy. So or you're forced uh, to because you're on a podcast that does that. Well, that's true too. So <laughs> what all of these books have in common is that every single one of them was a book that someone said to me, her, someone heard me say something and then immediately responded, oh, if that's the way you think about X, then you should read Y. Is this just going to be a list of books that Thomas recommended to you? It is very Thomas Banks heavy, <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> the first two were not Thomas Banks recommendations. All the rest were, um, including my very substantial um, honorable mention list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the honorable mention list, we, we won't even get to those, I'm sure. Okay, go on. But so I started how, what's off the with Madden Lingle. Then? Yeah. So yeah. I, read a, I read A Circle of Quiet based on your mother's recommendation. Hmm. And then as I was reading that and posting quotes about it, tons of people said, oh, you need to read Walking on Water. So I read that next. Okay. Um, and, and very much liked it. Did you want me to talk about them or no? What's the, what's the protocol here? Well, I would say, yeah, you can go. Well, I, really what I'm interested in is what's that thread between them? Because you mentioned that they all seem like they have a, a common thread. Is that the, the common thre thread? That the thread is that it came up organically that these were ideas I was thinking about and people said, oh, then you should read such and such. So they're not necessarily connected in any sense other than that they were handpicked by me to, to speak to me. So that's, mm. that's the thread. So each, I mean, I can actually trace my, my year by looking at these mm. books and I know exactly what I was thinking about. Mm. You know, I was thinking about aesthetics and writing. Um, and, <laughs> and then I was thinking about the nature of love and some, I don't know why. And so people recommended some books about that. And then the last three were all books that Thomas recommended based on different conversations that we had. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the celestial omnibus, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story. So he knew that we had done a close reads on Howard Zinn and he loves Howard Zinn and he loves E.M. Forster. We, I mean, this is like one of our intense things that we have in common. So on our very first date, <laughs> um, we started we were talking about books, obviously, as one does. And he, so we're talking about Howard Zinn and he said, well, have you ever read um, the Ian e. Forster short story, The Celestial Omnibus? And I said, I had not. And so he began to talk about it and I was very intrigued. And he said, oh, I just really think this is a story that you're going to deeply connect with. So after we had this conversation, we were wandering around downtown and we stumbled on a bookstore and we walked in and lo and behold, there was a copy of Ian e. Forster short stories <laughs> with The Celestial Omnibus in it. And he bought it for me mm. on our first date. So I went home and read it. That and, was curtains for that, for your decision on this relationship. Well, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> hard to of... figure out. <laughs> it was not, it was not hard for either one of us to, it was, it was just, yeah, we, both of us had the experience of, so there you are. My goodness, you're <laughs> hiding everywhere, um, hiding in bookstores. So I, I went home and read Beyond the book. Stacks. 
Exactly. If only either one of us had ever looked up from a book, we might have found each other uh, <laughs> sooner. But um, so I went home and read the book. And it was just one of those very rare experiences where I was completely enchanted hmm. from beginning to end, just held my breath until I got to the end of the story. And honestly, when I got to the story I was, at the end, I was shaking and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't catch my breath. And I was just, I felt like I was on Mount Zion and was just transcending with the angels here. It was the most amazing story. And so then I called him and said, I just finished reading it and this was my experience. And, and he said it was also his experience. And um, so, so the celestial- Lena, that's not, it's not science fiction, is it? I know that he wrote yes. a science fiction. Is it really? Yes. Well, I mean, and it's I guess really good. I, I don't know if technically I would call it science. It's, it's fantasy. Yeah. Hmm. And it's highly literary and it's highly artistic. And if you read it, you'll instantly know. I don't, I don't want to say anything, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, no if what, if li what if literary characters were real? <laughs> what if you could they go are. to them? Who says they aren't? <laughs> Josh, Gibbs, Forster. Josh Gibbs and I talk about this all the time. Um, so, the, so yes, the celestial omnibus, you're, 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 it's, in fact, when he told me the premise, I seriously wondered if it was not an influence on C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce, like the bus ride to heaven, because this is what this uh, is, the celestial omnibus, it's the bus uh, ride to heaven. Hmm. Huh. Well, let's let's um, keep moving because I'm going to have other questions about your list too, but um, sure. and I don't want to get to some other books besides the ones, the five that were posted on Instagram. So Heidi, let's turn over to you next. So you, your list is Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders, The Odysseys, uh, translated by Emily Wilson, A Little Book on Form by Robert Haas, Robert Haas, um, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls, and I, I actually don't know if I said that right, In Praise of the Useless Life by Paul Quenin. These are, all, you know what's weird about names? They could be pronounced in <laughs> any way, literally Boy, any way. Can you, right? <laughs> That's true. Um, it's true. It's hard to do the podcast sometimes because there's so many words or names that I've only, that I've never heard out loud or said out loud, yeah. but just read. Yeah, I think that yeah. readers have that problem. We don't actually know how to pronounce words. <laughs> so. so, okay. You, so these are five, you have uh, three, what? Two novels, an epic poem, a book on poetry, and another book that I don't, know what it's about so um what was there one of these that like is there a common thread in your in your reading this year how did this list come together for you when you were you know when i said what were the five books was it pretty easy for you to say these are the five or was it was did you have to do some soul searching um i think yeah i had to do some soul searching and i chose that list of five with very specific criteria they were books that unexpectedly delighted me angelina talked mm -hmm. about this too that you that they were books that i ne i didn't necessarily have expectations for but when i read them they just delighted me in such an unexpected way like oh this is just a wonderful story for for and I'll give you an example. In Praise of the Useless Life, I put on that list because I read it to write a review on it for Forma, which I still haven't written. <laughs> sorry, but um, I'm going to next week. Uh, but I read the book just to review it. it. I didn't choose it. And as just in the opening chapters, I was enchanted. I, I loved it. It's, it's a a memoir from a, a monk who studied under Thomas Merton. Hmm. And he's writing this basically love song to the monastic life. It's not uh, literature by any means. Like it's, it's well-written, but it's, you know, it's not the Odyssey, but it just, 
I, I just fell in love with this little book that praises nature and talks about plain chant and just this, this monk who lives a life that I cannot necessarily relate to, but drew me in. So all of the books on my list were books that unexpectedly delighted me. Mm. Had you read any of them? Like, were they all new to you this year or new authors? I mean, obviously I did choose Homer all, all new but. reads. Yeah. I did choose all new reads for my list. Um, although technically I did read Lincoln and the Bardo at the end of 2017. And then I read it again in 2018, but I had to put it on my list because I think everyone should read this book. So it, it went on there, even though it was technically a reread closely, just chronologically, I read it twice mm-hmm. in a row. So, so like that's a that's a testament to how much you think of that book. I love finish it, it and then start it again book. right away. I okay. did, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So George Saunders is an incredible writer, and that's you know he's known for here he had been known for you know like the Tenth of December, which is a collection of short stories, which is really popular. Um, but this book seems to have really um, taken people's really people have been really taken by it. Some people in a way that they don't like, but, but it, yeah, it's controversial. It's a really hard book to read because it's, it's, it's a ghost story. I'm not giving too much away. It's one of those, if you should probably know it even before you read it. So that doesn't surprise you. It's written from the perspective of these ghosts in a graveyard who are watching Abraham Lincoln and they, tell their own stories. So the grammar is kind of weird and it's kind of stream of consciousness at some points. And uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of a strangely constructed story at first after, I would say after the first 30 pages, your, your mind and expectations kind of adjust. So it just feels natural, but it takes some work at the beginning, mm, yeah. but it's really lovely. And it's his only novel that he's written and it took him years and years to write it. Uh, he's mostly known for his short stories, as you pointed out, David, and they're wonderful too. 10th of December is excellent. All of them. He writes essays and stories, but this is his first novel and it's wonderful. There's a very uh. famous video. Well, I mean, within certain circles, um, there's a, there's a, <laughs> I'll put it this way. There's a great video of him and I think he's on mm, the Colbert Report or um, the old Daily Show with Jon Stewart or something like that. And he's talking about his kind of way of thinking about art and writing and things like that. And it's great. It's like, it's one of the best things you could find by a working writer right now. So I highly recommend people go just find that on YouTube or something. Well, and it was unexpected to me because I, I had to, again, this was a book I had to read because I was interviewing him for this event. And so I was interviewing him about Lincoln and the Bardo. So it was one of those, you have to read this story and, or this book. And I kind of didn't want to, because I was, I had this, you know, reverse chronological snobbery of, you know, it's a new book. I'm probably not going to like it. It's probably gonna be all postmodern. And and then I loved it. It like captivated me. And because I fell so in love with it in such an unexpected way, that's how it ended up really being, I would say probably in my top, definitely my top 10, maybe top five novels I've ever read. Mm. So Mm. That's amazing. Strong words. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go over to Tim for a second here. Um, I, I know we could all kind of pick any one of these five and talk about it forever, which is why we do a show that does like eight episodes in single books. Um, <laughs> Tim, you have Lenin's Tomb by David Remnick, True Grit by Charles Portis, which we did on the show, The Course of Love by... I'm 
Alain de Bonton. Yeah, that guy. Alain de Bonton. Um, the Swiss philosopher. <laughs> Care, you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, new rule. You have to speak like that. I think he's British. I think he's British. No, he's he? Swiss and he has the he's... most amazing accent. He does have a lovely accent. It's so. Oh, he's Swiss. Swiss. He, he grew up in Swiss boarding schools. No, he's Swiss. Wow. Huh. Cool. <laughs> All right. So Wilson by A. Scott Berg and Shakespeare in the theater, Mark Rylance at the Globe by Stephen Purcell. So, um, what is there? What is the book on here that when you made this list, you were most surprised that it showed up? Were you like, "Huh, that is one of my top five favorite books"? What do you know about that? I think it's. I think it's the last one, Shakespeare in the Theater. Um, it's a book about Mark Rylance because it's just such a nerdy book. <laughs> it's just a book that a nerd would read, and I don't fashion myself to be a nerd, but I am. <laughs> this book you're all, really you're, demonstrates that. I'm you're trying like, to remember. Tim, didn't you have a similar book to this on your last year's list? Yes, I did, Angelina. You're exactly right. It was a book by a Jesuit priest in New York who was the consulting theologian on one of my favorite plays, a book called um, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. And it was exactly like this book, Angelina. This book is nerdsville like that. So I'll just say a little bit about it because maybe I can get the hook in somebody's mouth to read this book. Well, Mark Rylance is an incredible actor. So that you don't like that's an incredible actor. He, David, help me. What would people know him? He won the Academy. He won the Oscar for best supporting actor from bridge of spies like three years ago. He was also uh, the, I think that's right. That sounds right. He was also one of the ship's captains of one of the little fishing vessels in uh, Dunkirk. He and his son went across the English Channel. Yeah, he was Really. So on top of all of his incredible acting prowess, he also, in his mid-30s, ran Shakespeare's Globe in the middle of London. I mean, in his 30s. Wow. And he basically kind of revolutionized how Shakespeare... Is per- was being performed in England. Um, it, the impression that I get is that, well, here's a little bit of the background. Tony Blair had just been voted into office and kind of like Clinton in the United States, you know, there's this, there's this wave of change that he is um, writing. And one of the things that he does is he changes um, the name of the whatever, like the, <laughs> this is going to sound so American, the arts department in, <laughs> in Great Britain, he changes the name of it from, you know, like the preservation of the arts to something like um, the department for art, entertainment, and sport. So anyway, Mark Rylance comes in and it just makes a lot of kind of cultural changes within the globe. And I found it really inspiring. I love him as an actor and I nerded out. Well, that sounds he, fun. No, I love a good nerd book. He was also yeah. in, um, people might, what, um, what is it? Uh, Wolf Hall, Wolf Hall. Which mm-hmm. was, yes. Um, oh, I haven't Thomas seen Cromwell that. and Wolf Hall from a few years ago. That's a great series and of if, books. If anybody's watched the really weird, um, Prospero's books that, movie that Peter Greenaway did in 1991, which I'm guessing most people here have not. He also was in that. That's one of the weirdest 
uh, movie versions of any Shakespeare's play, in my opinion. That's one of those ones you only probably uh, watch when you're studying, when you're in a class in college called Shakespeare in film. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, yeah. so let me ask you about, um, you, I heard you talk about this course of love, the course of love book. And obviously Angelina knows about this, this guy as well. And I think, yeah, I read that book last year. So talk about this one, Tim. What's what, why did this one show up on your list? Cause it's so terrific. Um, it's Fair enough. called the course of love. It's, it's got two, I mean, it's got kind of a double meaning. It's a, it's, it's sort of a, a psychological biography of a couple that gets together and falls madly in love. But the book kind of begins when they get married. That's an exaggeration. It does cover their courtship, but the thing that Baton wants to talk about is what nobody really talks about is what happens after or happily ever after. And his complaint is that in the West, we have a incredibly romanticized view of what marriage is. And he uses that word romantic over and over and over as a curse word almost. And I found it, um, incredibly refreshing. And one of the things that he talks, so, so it's a, it's partly a kind of a biography of this couple, but it's partly also an instruction manual kind of to the reader. And he'll stop in the middle of this story and he will talk about what's happening in the couple's life and why it's happening almost as a psychologist would. Hmm. Um, and I, I, we, what would you compare it to? Is there, a, is there another book you would compare it to? I've never read another no, book yeah, like, me like it. I just want to say it's that really... it's one of those things that as you describe it, it sounds like it would be awkward, but he pulls it off. Mm. He, he so you, you approve yeah, of it as well, Angelina. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it okay. a lot. And it's very different structurally. It's exactly what Tim's talking about, where it kind of alternates. Because okay. he's he's primarily an essayist. And so it, it reads like a novel written by an essayist because he stops and he'll give you an essay on what just happened in their lives. But it, mm. that sounds so awkward and didactic, but it's not. He, he pulls it off. Yeah, he really does pull it off. Yeah, fi- he really finish your there. I think I interrupted you. Sorry. I, I, I realize that by saying that he um, speaks the word romance as if it were a curse word or romantic as if it were a curse word, that might... That might um, really turn some people off. Uh, man, I would encourage you, nevertheless, if you have strong positive associations with that word, everyone, everyone wants romance. Everyone wants to be kind of like swept into something. But I think what people want even worse is long-lasting and connected relationships with their spouse. And mm-hmm. this is that. And he's pretty adamant that a lot of our romantic notions about what a marriage is, is, um, it it causes the, it causes the relationships to really suffer. We kind of like make our spouse into what our parents provided us when we were children. That's kind of one, or what they didn't provide us when we were children. That's one of the things that he kind of hits on over and over. And he's out to kind of point it out and provide alternatives to that way of thinking i i found found it delightful my, my, come I, across your radar tim i saw an interview with him on youtube and i kind of knew him he was kind of in my 
periphery. He's he's an essayist. He's also he's a trained philosopher. Yeah, yeah. And I come across a couple of his things, and I was I was really impressed with him. And like a couple of the other books on my list, my Amazon algorithm just apparently knows me <laughs> and loves me and wants mm-hmm, my best interest in mind. So it kept showing up on my algorithm, and I was like, okay, yeah. okay, I'll have a look. That would be hilarious. You know what we should do is we should all pull up our Amazon accounts and we should just go, we should say, what does Amazon <laughs> recommend for me today? <laughs> we should, yeah. Sometimes it makes no sense, okay? Sometimes they're spot on the money and I'm just like, oh, this is kind of creepy. But one time they sent me an email just to let me know that the brand new Billy Ray Cyrus biography was out. And I just thought, what on <laughs> and earth? And you snapped it right up. Oh, of course. And you I was like, what did I click on ever that made them think this is what I want to buy? <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question on that note, Angelina? Do you guys ever go on Amazon or on Google or on Facebook and click links that you have absolutely no interest in just to throw off everybody's algorithm? <laughs> Yeah. That's a great that. idea. It's, I've never I do never it about once every two months. And I don't know that that's going to be to really screw them up very much. <laughs> <laughs> it might not. Well, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because I'll notice afterwards my algorithms change. You're like, why am Whoever I getting so many advertisements for me, adult? Hey, I'm excited that I see this my relationship. <laughs> for Billy Ray Cyrus's biography. On Facebook. Now, now I stopped getting singles ads. So that's a relief. <laughs> now it's all just going to be wedding oh my planning. gosh both yeah, of us, as soon right. as we got on the computer got nothing but wedding ads you're gonna get you're gonna get like a bunch of u-haul ads like ads for for like lighter fluid <laughs> basically in a year or two it's gonna be baby stuff angelina preparing oh wow herself. yeah they will have seriously misread that algorithm <laughs> right <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> so um okay here's what i want to do we've we, we've talked about each of y'all's lists and i want to talk about some of the books that we read on the show this year gosh i almost don't remember i gotta go through so, my book here here here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna pull up we posted an image so the word basically we did a short story unit and we did a, we did some plays so we'll skip the plays for right now these are the nine or the seven 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 yeah those are very different numbers um <laughs> They're both under 10. So we did. Um, well, I, I, this okay, is not I got Howard's exactly Inn order. as our first one in 2018. Yeah. Is that what you have? Yeah, we did Howard's End, The Code of the Woosters, Hannah Coulter, True Grit, Crossing to Safety, The Power and the Glory, and F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I know that you weren't all, you know, because of the way we expanded the show this year, you didn't all didn't, you, the, the listeners probably read more of these than each of you did. But for Angelina, what was the one of the novels that you were on? that really stood out the most that, that's the bit that was stuck in your head the most since you read it this year. I'm not necessarily saying what's the one that's your favorite or whatever, but like, what is there one of the books that we talked about that just sort of has lingered for you or may, maybe even, um, maybe it's even haunted you. I feel, please say code of the I boosters. Please. saying anything but Barry, but I think I got to go with Howard's in, but I think Barry mm. would approve. No, I, well, he, yeah, well, yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I think Howard's in it. I think I come back to some of those ideas. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, I mean, did that you ever, was a second read as well as Hannah. What's that? Did you ever watch the, the series? The, the, the uh, BBC One series? No, but I saw that it, I saw it's on Prime now. So 
I, I do plan on checking it out. It's I re- I was making my list of my favorite sh- TV shows of the year, and I realized, you know what? That's in my top ten TV shows of the year. So, it's, is it it's really? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I oh, thought they pulled it off. Uh, what about you, Tim? What's the one of these novels that has kind of the most stood out to you? Uh, this is going to surprise you. Howard's End also. Oh, Howard's End. That's so surprising to I, me, Tim. Why? I know. I know. I mean, I, I remember when we read it, I enjoyed it. You did not but love it. it just, I did not love it, but it has like gotten into me and it continues <laughs> to kind of knock on my door. Hey, <laughs> remember when you read us? Remember? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think. Remember when you were complaining about how it wasn't about anything for the first half? <laughs> right. Do you remember that? Because I remember that, Tim. I remember I that. remember <laughs> when you were... the ghost of Ian Forster has been haunting you this entire year. Right. I remember when you were getting reading. Part me. of the reason that it that it got into me so much is because it is ideologically not an easy book to put into a box. Whereas well, I'll just say it. Um I love Wendell Berry. But you know exactly where he is. You know exactly where he is. And I think the I think Howard's End got into me because, man, there are so many things that just don't fit neatly into kind of any pre-categorized ideology that I have. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, like the, co- the, the complicated love- nature of it was challenging to you. Yeah, I, I love your answer so much, Tim, because that's something I really try to impress upon my students all the time. I mean, you just articulated it, right? Like you're, you can maybe not love a book instantly, but but this is what literature and art do, right? They stay with over yeah. time. You have to take the long view of how these books are affecting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, you know, that's why I. One of the reasons why I really pushed early on in, in this show for. I don't necessarily mean with you guys. I think you guys were on board, but just when we were kind of talking here in the office and stuff about how the show was going to evolve and what it was going to look like, I really wanted to spend you know weeks on a book because I think even if we did you know say two episodes on something, it's really hard for it to you know to 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 sort of it's hard to linger in it long enough to really get a sense of what it's going to mean to you, you know. And even seven, six, seven, eight weeks isn't long enough, but it's better than you know, one or two because of the way books mm. sort of evolve in our consciousness. You know, the book, I'm not saying the book evolves itself, but the way our, our mind sort of processes it and thinks about it and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it, it, it takes time for it to really do its work to us. And especially if we're going to say, we've got to let this book come to us on its own terms and we're going to interact with it on its own terms. Then we, that's, you can't do that in like one or two days. Right. Or one or two conversations or whatever. Oh, we can uh, barely do it in seven weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Heidi, what about you? You know, it's funny. Nope, is, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Before we go yeah, to yeah. Heidi, one of the things that um, I've noticed as a contributor of Close Reads is that oftentimes the books that um, stick with me the longest are the ones where I feel like I know the least and I'm least helpful on Close Reads about, if mm. that makes sense. <laughs> And I know that we're trying kind of not to perform on close reads, but for me, I kind of can't help it sometimes. And I want to be really good and insightful. But upon a first read, I'm, I'm, I never feel particularly insightful about a book. And so I really felt in Howard's Inn that I was just stumbling my way through. Hmm. And I find it a little bit, maybe ironic is the word, that that's the one 
the one that I stumbled through the most is the one that has kind of kept in me the longest. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I read, I, I read a lot of Ian e. Forster this year. I mean, uh, Howard's in. Yeah, I became such an intense Forster fan. I also read his uh, aspects of the novel. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is really good. You're talking about the year of Enforcer for you. Pretty much. I, uh, I, it's interesting that you both mentioned that because when, when we were doing it, that was one of the books that, um, was the most of all the books we've ever done in the show. It was one of the most challenging for me to sort of figure out how, how to approach it as, you know, moderator host type position there was something about it that made it more difficult for me to pinpoint you know what's the thing we should talk about what's the question i should ask what's the angle we should pursue here um and 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 there's like i don't know if it it might be what you're talking about there where it's just sort of hard to to sort of pinpoint you know the box so to speak um because if there's an obvious box that's you just go to that box right that's that's sort of yeah easy thing but there was something about the way it the book sort of pursued its own life, you know, that, that I think made it challenging to do that. And I, I haven't, I haven't really been able to pinpoint exactly what I mean by that or why that is, but I think probably it's just the nature Mm -hmm. of it being a complicated book. Let's go to Heidi. What, what is, uh, what is yours? What is the book that stood out to you the most this year? Well, I'm, I'm torn between crossing to safety and the power and the glory, which Which you've read 27 times. I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's my next point that the power and the glory, it's no secret that that is one of my favorite novels of all time. And I've read it many, many times and under very different circumstances in my own life and taken it very personally each time, including the time this year when we read it for close reads and then crossing to safety, which was a new read from a new author that I had never read before and came highly recommended and they're two very different books. Um, so I'm torn between those two, which I've just been sitting here thinking about that, um, that the stories that haunt us are either the ones we're so familiar with that they keep doing their work, as you all have said, doing its work on my soul again and again and again. And I'm so familiar with it that it just continues to kind of work into it. Um, work into me or a new book that has gives me new new thoughts and a new discussion. You know, the three of us with Angelina and David, we had such, um, you know, personal discussion about whether or not we liked it and what that means. And is that okay? You know, all those things. And so, um, I don't know, I probably have to say crossing to safety because I thought about it so much between our conversations, not just as a novel, but the work of literature in the soul. Mm. Mm. I was I was thinking the other day about how sometimes these conversations are something of a blur, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. we say things, people correct us and rightly so for mistakes we make or, you know, whatever. Of course. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes about how the afterwards I'll like, we'll finish a book and I'll be like, wow, we so that those eight or whatever weeks are over. And then I'll be like, I guess next time I read, I should go back and listen to the conversations we had to see if I actually agree with things we said. And, mm-hmm. and then, but then I'd have to listen to myself on a podcast. So I might never. And then you say all the time that you say stuff you don't mean. So I'm just always confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I just got to keep people on their toes, right? Um, <laughs> okay. So let's, so those were the seven novels. Was there, we also talked about, we also, you know, did some plays here and there. We talked, we did, there's been, this year we have launched the plays, the thing. Um, 
was there another book out there that any of you want to mention that you're, um, you can just say no to this, but that your, uh, your perspective on it maybe changed or your, you were brought from the show. Yeah. Like in, in talk, and after we were doing it here on the show, whether it's, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of Shakespeare plays. We did the short story unit. We did the glass menagerie. Like, is there anything out there that seems to have your perspective changed on it over the course? Uh, you know what? I actually don't mind. Even if one of these novels, like is one of these novels, did your perspective on it change by doing it here on the show? Like, did you come into it thinking, Oh boy, here we go. But then you came out of it thinking, okay, that's great. Or vice versa. Anybody, you, whoever wants to just jump in here, you can, we can see if we, uh, I will say I learned a lot about the power and the glory that I did not know. And I think it's because Heidi's so good on that book. She has read it so many times and is so insightful on it that I saw a lot more in that book that I had even looked for, you know, the previous two times that I had read it. Mm. I don't know that I changed my mind, but my, I think hopefully my vision of that book got a lot broader. Yeah. I was going to say your horizons were broadened, but I like the vision. The vision were better. Yeah. Angelina, do you have one that your perspective on it changed or was? Um, well, I think I'm going to go with the great Gatsby. And, mm. uh, you know, as we talked about on, on those episodes, I had read it in high school, but didn't remember anything of it. So I don't know if that counts as my perspective changing, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll remember it now. But uh, I, I very much enjoyed it and, and feel like I have an understanding better of Fitzgerald. Mm. Uh, and yeah. also Can I ask- from our conversations about that. Mm. Angelina, did you... Going into that book, what did you think of it? And after having read it again, what did you think about it? I, you, I know you probably you guys probably talk about this a ton on the podcast. So I read it in high school and didn't remember it. Didn't remember anything huh. of it, except I, I, I can remember impressions of books from when I was really young. And so I didn't have a negative impression of it. I, I wouldn't say that I understood it, but I didn't hate it. And I remember that I really liked the writing. Yeah. But since then, of course, I've heard so much conversation about it and and people listing it as a despairing book and kind of putting it on the on the list of depressing modern fiction you know what i'm talking about um mm-hmm. so that was yeah, the yeah. that was that was my expectation going in because i had heard so many people say that um but i didn't think it was despairing at all i i i found it just fascinating i thought he was spot on with his insights about um you know what was wrong in in the modern world um and uh, I thought I, I was so shocked to discover at the end of this book how deeply conservative it was. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, it upholds the va- Midwest values over the liberal East, which I just, I, you know, that yeah. is not where I thought that <laughs> Cheryl was going to end up. And, and shout I out feel to, like, sorry, sorry. Yes, no, go right ahead. No, shout I, out to Adam. Absolutely. Yeah, I was say shout out to Adam for his participation in that. And he, he, he's very insightful. He, you know, he's brought something like what Heidi brought to the power and the glory where he's read it several times and, you know, more than he could count probably he said, and, and, uh, just brought a lot of energy and a lot of insight and a lot of love for that book. And I think it really opened it up to people, uh, you know, combined with your sort of new insights, you know, your sort of rediscovery of it. I really enjoyed that, that sort of combination, um, your rediscovery of it and his, his ongoing love of it. I think that made for a really, uh, delightful, delightful time discussing the book. So Tim, you should listen to those, those episodes sometime. <laughs> I should. <laughs> hey, can I, can I just drop in? Um, on like the praise of Midwestern values. This is a little anecdote. I was speaking to a pretty decorated (laughs) engineer and he told me 
that there is a table that engineers have when they're kind of considering the amount of time that will take to build a bridge or build a building. And that table is basically, it's like a, it's a work rate table for different uh, areas of the world. So <laughs> like, if you have a, a protest <laughs> against profiling, now is the time to get off the show for the next five minutes. The table basically says, um, here are the number of work hours that you get out of this area of the country. Hmm. And he said, I believe that he said the only area in the world where one work hour in the table equals one work hour is the Midwest of the United States. What? That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? I've grown up in the wow. South. I completely believe that. Yeah. <laughs> like I know contractors I, I hope I'm not exa- in the South. Contractors themselves have said to me, listen, just between you and me, whatever estimate they give you, you add three months to that. So two week mm. job means three months and two weeks. <laughs> huh. Anyway, let's continue with our non-profiling program. No, you're, you're being so Nick Carraway, not we, to judge, but I have. When when did we ever make a lay, any claim down that this was a non-profiling profiling podcast? That is just completely on. That's profiling. Our All program. of us make certain assumptions. That is, I profiled books. close reads. I totally profiled close reads. Um, okay, so let's let's. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the books that. Um, you, you sent me on your top five. We talked about the books on the show. Can you each give me one book that was on neither of those lists that you would just recommend to people? We don't have to go in depth on it, but that you would that you would say, people go read this book, go pick it up. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe it wasn't like a book David, did this go? Well, maybe just, does this have to be from the last year? Um. Well, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So basically, it's a book you're saying it's not. It's not. We didn't do it on the show. It wasn't in my top five, but it's still a book you highly recommend and you think people will like, especially our listeners. Angelina, you sound like you had one. Well, I had an honorable mention that the only reason it didn't make my list is because I haven't quite finished it. Okay, go ahead. Um, So I read, again, this is a Thomas Banks pick, but there you go. Um, So a lesser known work by Ovid, which I know this is going to sound so hoity-toity, but when I explain it, it's really not. So he (laughs) wrote a book called The Heroides, which is The Letters of the Heroines. So he, to me, he does exactly what an artist should do. He dips into this established classical heritage, makes something new out of it, but yet is true to the original sources. So, for example, he writes a letter from Penelope to Ulysses, a letter from Helen to Paris, um, a, le- a letter from Briseis to Achilles, which is about, oh, gosh, you're just your gut being ripped out of you. And and so he reimagines all of these relationships through a series of letters and I think shows tremendous insight um, into their characters. Uh, so I have been actually using them in my anxious class here and there to say, here's another perspective of what was happening with Helen and Briseis and Penelope. And that's so his letter from Penelope, you know, we, we kind of... Some people can give Penelope a hard time, like she's not really doing anything. She's just waiting and she's done. She just takes a Ulysses back, even though he's gallivanting on the islands. But it's a different kind of Penelope we find in Ovid's work. Um, she, mm. she, she writes a letter which, oh, wait, let me read the first line. It's so grand. The first, let, let me find the, here it is, here it is, here it is. The first line, Penelope to the tardy Ulysses, do not answer these lines, but come. <laughs> Oh, what a great line. For Troy is dead. And she's just like, 
you're taking a really long time. I'm not saying you're taking more time than you should, but I'm saying that and you need to come home. (laughs) So it's very accessible. And I thought super insightful into these characters. Uh, Okay. Heidi, Tim, either you got one. Yeah, I've got one. Um, I have been reading a lot of poetry lately. You're going to steal mine, aren't you? I'm not actually, because I'm leaving that to you because I know what you're going to say. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to recommend an actual poet. Um, and I'm t- I've, I've got two in hand. I'm going to say both and then I'm going to pick one and hope that you buy both. So, um, I'm, I've, so A.E. Stallings, who's a woman oh, author. Uh, and a, yes, and a translator. Yeah. Yes. So she is also a poet and all of her poetry is wonderful, but she has a new collection out called like just L I K E. And it's beautiful. It's lovely. Um, and then also James Matthew Wilson, which this is the one I'm going to recommend strongly. Definitely. That's, uh, that's yeah, for sure. Yes. So it's called the hanging God and it's a collection of poetry. It's wonderful. It's accessible. Uh, you can, if you're if you're new to poetry, or if you, uh, or if or if poetry is something that you just really love, I would definitely recommend this. I just keep it on my nightstand and read one or two a night, and think about them, journal, write down my favorite lines. Um, so that I would I would say the Hanging God by James Matthew Wilson and David read a poem called the Scar of Is it Ulysses or Odysseus. is it Odysseus? Scar of Odysseus. Yes, um, which. Odysseus is the right choice, by the way, versus Ulysses. Um, but uh, on the daily poem, and it's a that's a wonderful poem, and that is why I bought it. Was hearing you read that poem, mm-hmm. David, uh, yeah, and this, then that book is, I bought the collection and I loved yeah, it. Yeah, that book is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it I didn't put it on my list. Well, I didn't even talk about mine, but I didn't um, put it on my list that we posted on on the Instagram page. But it it's basically like my sixth book. I had it on there and then I bumped it for something else just because I haven't read every title. I in haven't it. read the whole thing yet. <laughs> but it, it, he's yeah. he is he's very um he's an example of someone who he writes a lot of sonnets. He writes um every almost everything from what I can tell is in an iambic pentameter. Um it's very formal in a lot of ways. You know, it's not you know, you we were definitely not reading, I don't know, like William Carlos Williams or Ezra Pound or someone like that, but it's um, it's incredibly in, like it, it's, it doesn't do that in a way. It's ostentatious at all. It's it's great, and he's he's a, a classical scholar. He he really is has a great voice that really comes through. Like there's a consistency to his work that's kind of shocking, um, and he's kind of a lesser known mm-hmm. poet. Like he's been published a lot in First Things and places like that. That's I think that's where I. I think I saw one of his poems published in First Things back in October. And Thomas November. Banks had a poem published in First Things, if I might name drop that. <laughs> you, you're always mm-hmm. welcome to name drop that. Um, so yeah, that's where I heard about him. And uh, we just need to get Thomas Banks to publish a book this year. I'm for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's, um, let's talk a little bit. About- hey, will you guys put those up on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I would, I, hey, David. go ahead. Can I chime in? Are you still on? Are you still following up on this? I want to chime in no. with, a, with yeah, a I was going to go to you. To yep. Oh, let's yep. hear it. Um, so this sounds so crass because this is like me being the pedagogue amid poets. So I feel a little bit like a clunker doing this, but <laughs> um, 
man, this book is so good. A Failure of Nerve by Edwin Friedman. And the subtitle is Leadership in the Age of the Quick Fix, which is not, it's such a pop title. They were clearly <laughs> trying to sell books. Yeah. Um, a Failure of Nerve is the title. It is a book by a, he's a systems psychologist who has worked with everybody. What is a systems psychologist? So he doesn't look at, if you went to go see him, um, he would say, don't tell me about, you know, what I really want to know is, is about what role you play in the different kind of systems like your family or like your business. And that will tell me a lot about who you are and about kind of like how you improve the situation that you're in. So it's, it's kind of, oh man, I'm, I'm struggling to find the right words. It's a big picture view of psychology rather than kind of like an individualistic view of psychology, if that makes any sort yeah. of sense. So if you have psychoanalysis on one Thank side, you, which is like very intense internal processing, tell me what you feel and think about everything. On the other side of the spectrum is the system psychologist who's going to be talking about you as the oldest child in your family, you as the superstar in your graduate program, you yeah. as this or that, right. whatever. And um, so, yeah. We should, I should have kicked the answer to the person who has the grad degree in psychology <laughs> before I started answering that question. Um, you did great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I should have kicked you immediately. Um, this book is, I don't know how to tell you what a deep impact it has, it has had on me. And I bought it as gifts to people and they, every person that I've bought it for, it's like they have this moment where their eyes are open for the first time. It's just remarkable. So a failure of nerve by Edwin Friedman. Okay, can I have a follow-up question? I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure I've wrapped yeah. my head around this. So someone who reads this book would, would learn what is something about themselves, something about their role, their function, how to be a better, what teacher business person, or is it more like how to be a better friend? Is it all of that? that I think it's probably all of that. It's more, it's not a self-help book, even though the title kind of sounds that way. It's more of a book um, that help you see that you function in a system and you kind of like gravitate toward playing a role in a system. And systems have personalities just like every human being has a personality. And those personalities can be... Those systems can be healthy or they can be unhealthy. And I think it's great how Friedman, Friedman is adamant that an individual in a system that's unhealthy can do something about it. Mm -hmm. The system doesn't have to get better in order for the individual to do something about it, to kind of like make a change. And he, I think he's very realistic about how he um, addresses that. I'll, I'll just try to give you one little blurb and then I'll shut up. Um, he said that when he started his life as a psychologist, he was dealing with families and he, and he said, this family is dysfunctional. My goal is to help this family communicate with each other. And if they can communicate with each other, then that will open up the pathway to reconciliation, et cetera, et cetera. 
And he's like, man, you know, after a couple of decades of trying that, it just didn't work. And so what I did instead was I tried to find the one person in this kind of sick system that actually was willing to try to make a change. And I would only work with that person. And that person, if, if, if that person in a sick system um, tried to change their life, he said, what will happen over and over is that the system will um, do everything within its power to not let that person change. But if the person kind of sticks with it, then it could have the kind of like the effect of, well, the system might actually get better. And if it doesn't, at least the one person has gotten out. Mm-hmm. So that sounds is, fascinating. It's by who? Yeah, what's his, it's wonderful. What's his name? Edwin, Edwin Friedman. Okay. Well, okay. In the interest of... Now it, you have to do yours, David. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. So, I'm, well, I'm with you on James Matthew Wilson. Uh, I did post my five books as well. Um, I, I thought this, I, I had a great year reading. I, I was very, I found it very difficult to figure out which books um, would be my top five. Um, it was The Power and the Glory for me was the book that we did this year that stuck with me the most. I'd never mm-hmm. read it. Unlike the other books, I'd never really read it, or at least I hadn't read it in a long time, and I hadn't really read it in depth like that, really closely. And uh, so that that's really stuck with me, and for all the reasons we talked about on the show, and it wasn't that long ago, so I won't get into that too much. My favorite book that I read the whole year, without question, I didn't even have to think about this, is Matthew Zapruder's book, Why Poetry, which came out late 2017, I think. I, th- I told somebody, I think it was you, Heidi, recently. Was it you? Mm-hmm. I think we were talking about, you yeah. asked me why I like that book. And um, it's, I read a lot of books about poetry. I read a lot of poetry collections. Um, but it's one of the first books that I think spoke, like it, it, it spoke to me in a way that like, f- I felt like I was being seen by the book. Does that make sense at all? Like when you, when you read something mm-hmm. oh, wow. and you're like, this, wow. book, it, this book is like speaking to me. It, like it, it knows me and it's like helping me figure things out. So there's a, you know, there's a whole, the last section of the book, for example, is all about what essentially you could call the negative space of poetry and how poetry is really consumed with what's not there in a lot of ways. And like, I'll, and that's why a lot of poets for centuries and centuries have been writing about like there's constantly this idea of what's not there, the ne- like the absence of things is this huge thing in poetry. So there's, you know, that, that way of thinking about poetry is a big part of it. And then, um, it, it, he talks about form, but also, um, you know, like a lot of different kinds of forms, but like, what's the place of that form in contemporary culture and like all this kind of stuff. And he, interweaves it with his own stories of becoming a poet. He's somebody who never thought he'd be a poet. And then he discovered he was one and he pursued it full kind of with, with all of his energy against the wishes of his father, who's this very successful lawyer. So it's kind of his own memoir combined with his reflections on contemporary poetry combined with, you know, what is the place of contemporary poetry in the canon of poetry at large and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's just an amazing, fascinating book. I think it's, I would say it's more on the, like, it's not like a, deep i mean there's a lot of aesthetic philosophy stuff in it but it's not the kind of book that you're gonna it's, it's not like reading like you know um t.s Eliot or something it, it's it's a very yeah, it's accessible it's a very accessible a very readable accessible. book oh. which makes it a fun read and i think that's one of the reasons why i wanted to recommend it because you know even if you're not like 
deeply in love with poetry or you're not trying your hand at writing poetry or don't consider yourself poetic or whatever, you're still going to get a lot out of it. Even if you're just like, how do I teach this particular thing about poetry? There's, there's sections in it that you could just point to. Um, and he does... One of the things that I love is the way he just will look at a specific poem and break it down. Like he'll do... He did pages and pages on William Carlos Williams' poem, The Red Wheelbarrow, which is like a nine-line poem that he makes come alive for you. So the, I just love that part of it. Everybody knows that I love um, crime fiction and spy novels and stuff. And I started reading Ross McDonald this year. He has a series of books about a private detective, kind of a hard-boiled uh, detective called Lou Archer. And the first book in that series is called The Moving Target. And it's a very Sam Spadey type type character. I love those books. So if you're into that sort of thing, it's good. Uh, good 1949 hard-boiled novel. You're not going to deal with some of the stuff you got in like 70s and 80s crime fiction, which maybe is you know a little harder to, to stomach. So there's lots of lots of great books that I read this year, but those were two that I really loved. Just one genre fiction. Were you reading that one? Go go for it. Were you reading that one when we were discussing uh, the power and the glory? Which one? Uh, the one you just mentioned, white, uh, white the book on the poetry. Yeah. Uh huh. I was reading that off and on for like months. So probably <laughs> I've read portions okay. of it multiple times. So pro- yeah, I would guess why. Well, I remember the three of us had a conversation about, Oh man, I'm trying to bring it up. Uh, about the difference kind of between Oh, the symbol tradition yeah. and yeah, 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 and symbol. symbols and images. And, stuff. and I remember, I don't know if that was came you from were that. Really- I was thinking a lot about that, and I was, you know, like we looked it up in the Edward Hurst Poets Glossary. I remember that. I don't, I don't know if it was because of that book yes. that we talked about that, but I know that that's a big thing I've been thinking a lot about the last year or two. So that, so you probably, probably yes. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's. Uh, we, I remember you shared some thoughts during that podcast, and I thought. Oh wow, that's really that's really powerful. You were surprised. No, 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 that was weird. <laughs> Family systems therapy time. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> okay, so let's let's we only have a little bit of time left here. We've been going a while, and I don't want to keep you too long. So let's talk about if you have any. Are there any? I don't want to say what's your strategy or plan for the new year, but is there? Are there any authors? Have you started? Do you make a book list every year? What are you? What are you going to do in 2019 for your reading? Tim, I'll let you answer that. Do you have a plan, or are you just going to kind of see what happens? No, I had a plan at this time last year to like really dive into the history of science, and I, I read Einstein. That. Yeah, I right. What a whatever. Yeah. I didn't like. <laughs> I, <laughs> in, okay, in fairness, I read two books. Uh, like medicine and early Christianity, which I think was hmm. ostensibly about the relationship between Christian and science, which by the way, nerdy book and just delightfully interesting. Hmm. And I also read Einstein's biography. So I could dabble a little bit, but no, I just chase the tiger wherever it goes. I, I, I can't pre-plan. I've just learned that. <laughs> Amen to that. That's exactly my reading strategy too. Anytime I've tried to write, it just doesn't write a list. It, it doesn't happen. Because yeah, I read so much right. nonfiction, I just have to. I'm chasing footnotes constantly. That's <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, Reading yeah. an old book, me and there's too. an old yeah. footnote, and then immediately I'm pausing and I'm on the internet trying to find this thing, and then it ordered it, and then that's the. So yeah, so I, I, I like the way you said chasing the. Did you say lion or tiger? Tiger. I believe in tigers. Well, you know. <laughs> well, you're from Georgia, you be- and I'm from Louisiana, so we got to go tiger. Tigers? Both of us, right? You don't believe in lions, yeah. but you believe in tigers. Like, what do you mean you don't? Believe <laughs> right. <in lions>? Right. <laughs> 
Like I said, I need to brush. I need to brush up a little bit on my science, my taxonomy. So, yeah, I'll be chasing footnotes and reading whatever Thomas Banks gives me to read. Yeah. So I, I love that, that idea of chasing footnotes because I was thinking the other day, I don't know if you'd used that phrase before or something, but I was thinking of how I, have. I chase footnotes, but it's like in fiction. It's like this book leads me to the next crime fiction novel or some other thing that's some genre. Because, you know, right. I love genre fiction. So like this one leads me to the next author or someone says, oh, if you like that guy, you got to read this. And so I'm always kind of like stopping and starting and reading like seven different spy novels at the same time until I finish one. And so I, I'm like the anti-intellectual version of chasing the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the dummies version of chasing footnotes. <clears throat> the genre footnote. What about you, Heidi? Do you have a Do you have a strategy or a plan? Do you make a list? Can I guess? I'm going to guess that Heidi like has a spreadsheet, <laughs> <laughs> like a meticulous plan. And Lena, that true, Heidi? Right? I do. So I am, and I know there's listeners um, who do this. So, oh, that wasn't judging. I know. I, 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 I tried you. that so many times, and then <laughs> I, like I don't to think be I can known. even find the spreadsheet, <laughs> so I'm just giving it up. No, I I like to be no. I, that's true about me. My my closet is color coded by sleeve length. Um, so my book list. That, there oh, might yeah. be treatment for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called children. I, yes, right. <laughs> Amen. I did. So can I tell you, thank you for saying that, David, because can I tell you a story about parenting? Is it your, did your, did she turn your closet into your spider closet? Yeah. Okay. No. So this is about how I, I did something the other night I've never done as a mom before. And it was that Lucy has a cough and she has like a real sensitive gag reflex. So she got up to go throw up and she threw, I know that's really sad, but she threw up her retainer into the toilet so oh, I had to no. fish it out with my hand. Like retainer, toilet, vomit. She also had a bloody nose at the time. So <laughs> Oh my god. The real the real tragedy here is uh, Heidi is not that you had to dig this thing out of your to- the toilet. It's that your daughter yeah. had a bloody nose, a cough, and was throwing up all at the same time. I know. I you so know just, just I want to see it that way. <laughs> I I do want to see it from that perspective. <laughs> That's true. Okay, can I can I weigh in on yes. this? I heard that story and I thought, okay, keep in mind, my number one book of the year was the fall about the fall of the Soviet empire. Like <laughs> one, one of those catastrophic events in human history. After hearing your story, Heidi, my faith in humanity, you reaching into that toilet for her retainer, my faith in humanity is restored. I'm like, oh, there's oh, hope. There's thanks, hope. Tim. Yeah, it was... It was a sad, it was a sad, I was laughing so hard. It was one of those, like, I have to just laugh at this because this may be the grossest thing I've ever done. And it was so anyway, my color coded closet does have an antidote and it is Lucy barfing up her retainer in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny how once you become a parent, your standard of what's gross radically it's changes. So true. Yeah. yeah. And what you're used willing to, just to be do how much for another sweats. human being. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. How did you do that? Not true. I'm, Tim, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If we weren't such a no, good I, I, I wouldn't keep doing it. <laughs> so well, that, this is now the episode that's going to be subtitled Close Reads Bodily Fluid, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, right. Oh, man. So anyway, I do have a reading list. Last year, I did not have a reading list. And I um, I read a lot, but I realized I didn't read as much serious nonfiction because uh, I would start things and then put them aside. I'd start something and, oh, this is great. Now I want to start something else. And so I did kind of the 
what you guys are describing with the chasing of the footnotes, but then I didn't end up reading. I kind of used all of my serious nonfiction as reference books instead of reading from cover to cover. And so, but when I have a list, I actually do stick with it. So mm-hmm. I, I did make a list this year focusing, and my fiction list is short. It's close reads reading, and I want to reread the Russians. I'm going to reread Dostoevsky. So, um, that. So you'll read like three oh books this year. Goodness. I will. I think yeah, I will right. read Crime and, Re- Crime and Punishment and Brothers K again, and then whatever close reads, and then whatever takes my fancy. With fiction, I'm a little bit more breezy. Um, and but I do have a list of devotional reading and nonfiction that I'm going to stick to this year because I just okay. didn't do a great job with it. And I listen to a lot of books too. I'm an audible fan. I listen to Ileana Odyssey like over and over again on repeat in different versions. Um, so I'm going to stick with that again this Get, year. So, so you have this list made, give me mm-hmm. three titles from this list that you are like rearing and ready to go as far as reading. Is that, I just, okay. that doesn't make any sense. The sentence I just said doesn't make sense. Yeah, does. But, yeah, does. Okay. No, I got it. Yep. Rearing and ready to go. Yep. Rearing and ready to go. So hold on, I'm pulling Unleash it. Unleash the tiger. <laughs> I'm chasing the tiger. I'm chasing <laughs> it. Yes. Uh, the tiger will be found. Let's see my reading list. Here it is. My top three. Um, I'm going to read. This will surprise no one who knows Andrew Kern. I'm going to read Touches of Sweet Harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, which he is obsessed with this book. And again, I started it and then kind of went veered off track. Um, I am going to read, um, I'm embarrassed to say I've never finished After Virtue. So I'm going to read that cover to cover. Oh, good for you. I've, what a book. I've read portions of it, excerpts of it, chapters of it, kind of skimp, but I've never just sat down and read the whole book from cover to cover. I so haven't either. So, you know. Uh, so after virtue hey let's read it together oh, anyway anyway <laughs> yes i would love to Me too touches of sweet harmony and then i'm gonna i i love joseph peeper but i've only ever read um leisure. you know the, the one the leisure one so um which i loved so i'm also gonna read in tune with the world and only the lover sings although i did read his one on the cardinal virtues which one was that um, what's the name of that? Isn't it book? called the Cardinal? Isn't it called the Cardinal Virtues? Called the Cardinal Virtues? But, well, that one. I loved that. I loved that book a lot. So anyway, this year I'm mm. also going to read in tune with the world and only the lover sings contemplations that's on, on. That's on my art. list for this year too. Oh, good! Yay! I like uh, it because so it's those not are so long. Sampling. Yep. Yes. Well, and I love the subtitle. I love. I love the whole idea of this book. Only the lover sings. Con- what is it? Contemplations on art and something else that didn't make it on my list, hmm. but I loved it. Hmm. Um, so those are a few examples. Angelina, do you have one or two books that you're rearing and ready to read this year? Or maybe you've even started them since we're now into the new year? Uh, well, I got a stack of medieval Chaucer books. I'm, I'm really hoping to finish. You read, you read books about Chaucer? I've got about six different, really old, out of print books about Chaucer and Chaucer. I'm shocked, I tell you. I'm shocked. I, I know. Uh, and, right. I, and before I can finish one, I've already ordered two more. That, it's that kind of thing because I keep following the footnotes. It's like me with spy novels, but a much healthier obsession on your part. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which one of those two things is better to know a lot about. Probably Chaucer. I don't know. But then, of course, some of those characters in Chaucer might get in your head and screw you up a little bit. <laughs> 
Is there one in particular that you would recommend for our listeners, like a, a, a book about Chaucer for people who are maybe less familiar with him, but want to know more? Uh, it doesn't even have to be on your stack, but just one that you would say, you want to know about Chaucer, you have to read this book. Well, I mean, I, I am actually, I'm looking at this book right now. So uh, it's called Chaucer and His Poetry by George Lyman Kittredge, which I've spoken about yeah, him yeah, before right. on yeah, the yeah. show. And I gave a Chaucer talk about him. He's he's the Chaucer man who, who started it all back in the day. Um, so this is one of his books. It's a series of lectures he gave and um, several in the Canterbury Tales and putting Chaucer in the, in the context of his time. So he, he's a great place to start. Hmm. Tim, did you answer the question about a book that you're rearing and ready to chase the tiger on? <laughs> I'll tell you a book that I'm halfway through, which is exceptional. And I think our readers is right in the pocket for our readers. Uh, Alan Jacobs' book, The Year of Our Lord, That's 1943. That's on my list. Yeah, I read that. That's it on my list. So it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, so it's a kind of a four-part biography of... Jacques Maritain, C.S. Lewis, T.S. Eliot, W.H. Auden, and Simone Vi during and at the conclusion of World War II. And they're all independent of each other, trying to lay out kind of their, their plan for educational, spiritual regeneration in the West after, the, after World War II. It is so good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I very readable. It's the too. kind of book that our readers what, would you say, David? Well, I just said it's very readable. Like you maybe hear, you know, Marathon or whatever, and you're like, that I don't know, I don't know if I want to read that. But it's very readable. Who's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not yeah. a philosopher, the the way that he ties things into um the, the evolution of culture and, and the, what it means today and the, the the way some of these people were coming to the same things at the same time and showing how like I think the title is apt, the year of our Lord, because it shows how so many of these ideas that they were coming to independent of one another were sort of, sort of coalescing in, in the movement. Yes. Like the age. Independent of each other. Yeah. Hmm. They hard, I mean, C.S. Lewis and T.S. Eliot would have been on the island at the same time. Same with Auden. But as far as I know, they're not really having conversations with each other, but they're all moving in the same direction. There's some variation in their views, especially between somebody like Maritain and Simone Vi. But it's, kind of stunning how common their vision of the post-world war is mm-hmm. considering they did not talk all that much yeah yeah that's what that was on my one of my that was one of my top five of the year of last year well th- yeah last mm-hmm. year oh was it really was it really i mean no it really wasn't because it wasn't on your list or was it yeah it's, it's on was my, it on, I, yeah. oh okay yeah, yeah okay oh nice nice <laughs> yep it's one of the five that i posted so yeah the Year of Our Lord, 1943. Really good. If, and for future reference, when Alan Jacobs publishes a book, buy it the day it goes on presale. No doubt. He no doubt. Like one of the preeminent, mo- like he, his books will last. I, I really believe that. Like we will, people will, when we're old, you know, my children will be reading his books. Well, I don't know if my children will be able to read. Did he write a biography of Lewis? I think I have that. Is that why that name sounds familiar? Yeah. He, I don't know. He wrote a book that, some people might have, I wrote a review of his book, How to Think, which came out a couple of years ago. I wrote, some people might've read that. I wrote that, wrote that for a magazine. So that's one that was pretty popular. I don't know if he wrote one about Lewis. I'd have to, I haven't read, if he did, that's one I haven't read by him if he did. Um, well, I know that Ken Myers has interviewed him more than a few times for Mars Hill. I wonder if that's how you know him, Angelina. I'm Googling He's him right great now. great interview too. What a great interview. Oh, he did. He wrote so the Narnia. alive. 
Oh, he did. And I own it. Yeah. Just looked it there up. You know. He also wrote <laughs> The Imagination of C.S. Lewis. Yeah. So I do have that. He wrote The, sublime the Pleasures of the Reading in the Age of Distraction, uh, Shaming the Devil. He did a translation, I believe, of... Or he wrote a book. He wrote an essay on the... Um, or no, a book, a kind of literary biography of the Book of Common Prayer, I believe. I see that. That so, looks amazing. Wow. He also did a new critical addiction, edition of Auden. Yeah, he's um, great. It's great. Which we're big Auden fans over here. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, we probably should wrap this up, but um, thanks to... David, I have a question before we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the, is the Close Reads list set for the coming year? I, yes, I just I looked at what we have on Facebook. Just going to say and- that. So Perfect. what's happening next is we are going to do starting next week, we're going to be reading the remains of the day. And we're going to do that through the first week of February. So for next week, make sure you read the prologue and part one. It's day one is what it's called. It's not really divided into chapters, but I think it's the first 42 or 43 pages or something like that. So the prologue and day one of remains of the day. Then after that, we are going to, um, I'm going to pull a, uh, pull a power move here and we're going to do the spy who came in from the cold the what i think is the best nice. spy novel ever written um so that's john le carré we're going to do uh for that sense and sensibility jane austen gotta gotta go back around to jane austen again gotta do her every now and then um uh i'm thinking we we had some requests to do um a young adult or more of a children's novel so i was thinking we should do little britches uh-huh. which is both uh kind of got that western and young adult but but also is really appealing to adults um and i have never really seen a lot of good conversation on that book so i think we could have a good time with that the current plan is to do the rector of justin in june july the Auchincloss novel. And then after that, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And then I've got a few other ideas to, to loop some other things in here. I'm going to post, um, post that list on the Instagram page as an image. So if you want to see that, you can also go to closereadspods.com close reads to see that. Then we also are going to be starting... Uh, um, after Heidi and I finish up discussing Henry V, we'll move on to Julius Caesar on the place thing, followed by The Tempest, Othello, Macbeth... A Midsummer Night's Dream, Richard II, and The Merchant of Venice, and that'll take us basically through the end of 2019 on, on that on that uh, on that show as well. So there's lots of great books that we're going to be discussing. Um, maybe we'll do another short story unit um, on on the show somewhere in there if we want to kind of mix it up. So the dates uh, and all that's kind of subject to change depending on you know where you know if people are still interested in something and if we just if we if, I, if we realize that two you know, the book, some of the books and the conversations are too similar. We'll try to maybe mix it up. So be prepared for the possibility of change. But generally, I would say that over the next year, the books that are listed over on the show and on the show website page, and then on the Instagram page, those are pretty safe for what you're going to, you're going to, um, yeah, you're going to get this year. So I'm pretty excited. I think, I think that this is a nice wide variety those are great choices, David. of books. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, make sure that you're, you know, um, sending us, you know, we, we'd love to get your recommendations. So if there's a book that you really want us to read, I can't promise that we'll do it, you know, right away or when we'll do it, but I'll, I'll add it to the ongoing list I have of recommendations from people. So feel free to email me or shoot me a Facebook message or tweet at me or, a, you know, pretty easy to get a hold of. So send us your recommendations and we'll, we'll consider them and see if we can fit them in. Like I said, no promises, but we'll do what we can. Um, I guess that's it. I guess we've we've covered 2018, previewed 2019 a little bit. Um, I just want to say thanks to to you all for for being a part of this uh, this last year. We had some. I think we had some great shows. We launched new shows. We launched the plays, the thing, and then you know 
uh, the daily poem and there's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm really grateful to be doing this with you guys. It's so much fun and would not be possible without um, you know the three of you picking up the slack um, because no one would want to sit here and just listen to me ramble on. I could just read the book aloud, I guess. I don't know, David. I don't know about that. You're so self-deprecating today. I know. Let's talk about it. <laughs> let's work through it. Let's work. Let's work it out. Well, oh, well, thank you, oh look at that. Thank Time you. is up yes. now. <laughs> Tim's system psychology book. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So thanks to you guys. It's been so much fun. Oh, Thanks, thank David. You, David. That's really we kind of it. you. We're having the best time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, Angelina, congratulations. Yes. Oh, thank you. Congratulations, Angelina. Yeah, thank you. At some point, we will. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about the date and all those sorts of things. But we're we're excited for you. We're happy for you, and we are. Um, that's just that's great news. And um, oh, honestly, I wanted to say this, and I forgot. Um, a bunch of people came up to me at the conference in July this year, not knowing that I had, in fact, met my Lord Peter. And uh, people who had listened to this show and I guess have heard me talk over the years about what I was looking for. And so it, it was b- bizarre and wonderful that so many people came up to me and said the exact thing, which was, I have been praying that God would send you your dream man. Hmm. And I have been so deeply touched to know that so many people have been praying for me. So for everyone who ever prayed that, thank you so much. And please know that God answered that prayer in spades. Mm. So thank you so much. Yeah, that's beautiful. Hmm. Um, that's great. I guess that's, that's a good final word for this show. So uh, again, feel free to get in touch with us however however you want. If you have questions or whatever, get ready to read. Um, uh, remains of the day and hope you're joining us over on the place the thing and uh that's it happy reading in 2019 and we'll be back with uh you know new new shows about about new books that we hope you'll join us for so for angelina sanford for heidi white for tim mcintosh and for all of us here at the close reads podcast network i'm david kern thanks so much for listening and happy reading talk to you next week mm-hmm.